Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you're having a good day today. Welcome, welcome, welcome in. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are here at, uh, what is today? Thursday morning, the first day of February. It seems like we just had Christmas and New Year's, and now all of a sudden, my hat's crooked. Sorry, guys. Uh, now all of a sudden we have, uh, there we go. Now all of a sudden we have this February and coming up is uh, Valentine's Day and all that amazing stuff. Amen. <clears throat> well, join us today, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is the second part of what we started yesterday. As we say, or as I say often, we do these lessons in two parts. We kind of break things down. And uh, so that's how I kind of put the lessons together so we can do it in two different parts. And when we do that, we have an opportunity to take our time and going through these things. All right. Well, yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday, we were talking about this part of scripture and how this part of scripture is, it's, it's suddenly taken a turn. It's, it's gone from all the things of the Antichrist. It's gone from all the things of end times and what's going to happen in the end times and so on and so forth. And it has now become uh, an encouraging sign, right? So the first thing we were talking about yesterday, number one, was the words of salvation. And that's kind of where we left off yesterday, right? So that's kind of where we left off. So uh, this time in which we live is, is really exciting. And we have an occasion that every time God's word is, is given by the preacher, by me, by other preachers, but also by Christians who share God's word, right? That God will take a chance, take, a chance, take the opportunity to call people unto himself. Now, it, it may be one of those divine appointments. Now, I don't know. You may be watching. You may be listening on our podcast. Uh, and and I recognize that some people may feel a sense of God calling them to salvation even right now. So <clears throat> sometimes the preaching of the gospel in a public way is how things need to happen. And, and when we preach it in a public way and teach it in a public way, God works in a public way. Now, other times, the sharing of the gospel is a personal witness, right? So we have the opportunity to share the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. We have the opportunity to, to share and to say, uh, this is what the Lord has done for me. This is what the Lord says he'll do for you. Uh, and, and be able to share gospel. So we do it publicly. We do it uh, more privately. Uh, but the, the effect is still the same. Jesus wants salvation. He gives us words of salvation. And we need to share those words of salvation. But if we don't have salvation, we need to accept those words of salvation and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can be saved. Now, back up to verse 13. <clears throat> verse 13 says, belief of the truth. So that's how it all comes about. God chooses us from eternity past. We talked about that yesterday. He, he uh, chooses us from eternity past through sanctification of the Spirit, and he calls us by the gospel. You see, you hear the gospel. You hear the message that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. You hear the message that 
you need the Savior, that Jesus died for you on the cross for your sins, and you hear the message that if you will ask God to forgive you of your sins and by personal faith believe him and receive him as your Savior, you'll be saved. Friends, belief comes at the hands of the soul. By faith, the human soul reaches up to what God gives in his mercy and in his love and in his grace. So when you receive the truth, when you believe the truth, you are born into the kingdom of God. And God's plan, uh, just, just all, it, it all comes to pass. Boy, that'd be wonderful if that happened to somebody that's even watching today. Wouldn't it be great if you could, at the end of this uh, broadcast, know that you're saved and that you're truly a child of God? Friends, that's your part. That's your opportunity. That's your responsibility, is to believe the gospel. So eternity past, time, right? Eternity future. He says in verse 14, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he went from eternity past into time and now eternity future. So he's reaching and he's saying the glory that is out there for us. I want you to notice he didn't say attaining. And it's not something that we work for, that we can earn or, or merit or, you know, be good enough for. This glory is not something we attain or work for. It is something we obtain. Now, he's already taught that in 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we obtain salvation, and that salvation includes the future dimension of obtaining the glory that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the future aspect of salvation. Glory is out there for God's children. Everything that begins in grace ultimately concludes in glory. The psalmist said this, the Lord will give grace and glory. Notice in your Bible how many times grace and glory are linked together. Grace tells us what God does for us. Glory tells us what God has in store for us. There is glory out there by and by, right? So you could take a month and talk about his future glory and what awaits us as, as God's children. Now, this is really wonderful, and, and I'm glad that you've accepted Christ as Savior. Or have you accepted Christ as Savior? You see, from eternity past, God chose you. In time, God called you by his gospel. And out in the future, for all of the ages of the future, there's going to be glory and glory and glory and glory, right? So salvation is kind of like a wedding ceremony. Let me explain. So here comes the groom and here comes the bride. Now, they stand there and the preacher says to the fella, will you do this, 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 and this? He says, I will. Then he says to the girl, will you do this, 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 this? She says, I will. Well, salvation is kind of like that. God comes to you and says to you, I will. Now it's your call. Will you? Right? 
God will, but will you? So when you say I will in response to God's I will, which is a, an amazing thing takes place and it's called salvation. Now salvation is not like the function of a machine. Salvation is more a love affair. God says to you, I love you. I want you to be my child. I want you to belong to me forever. I want, I want to invest my total being in you, God says. And I want to share with you all that I am and all that I can bestow upon you. And God says, I will. And the question now is, will you? So we have words of salvation. And in verse 15, he begins that verse with these words, right? Therefore, brethren. Well, in verse 13, he says, but we are bound to give thanks for you, brethren. Well, on the basis of these words of salvation, uh, he gives something else. He's now giving words of exhortation, words of exhortation, okay? So there's exhortation given here. There's a challenge. It says, therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So the word stand fast is the idea, of course, of standing firm having solid footing in a time of a storm or when the wind is blowing. He is contrasting this period of time of great tribulation and the apostasy that leads to that and the appearance of the Antichrist with the salvation that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the exhortation or the challenge for you and for me is that in these last days, we should stand fast. We should be firm, stand fast, not easily shaken. I'm of the conviction, right, that we are needed in the days of apostasy. Somebody says, well, why? Well, because there's so much going on today that would shake even God's children. Jesus said one time that it, was, it, it will be such a day that if it were possible, it would deceive even the elect. There's so much going on in the religious world, so much false doctrine. That's why it's so important for you to stay in the scriptures. Be taught the scriptures, the truths, the doctrines, right? All of that. Know that so that you, don't, you won't get swept off your feet. You won't get undercut by the wind of doctrine that blows, you know, any false doctrine. And there's some pretty goofy things going on in the world today. There's some goofy things that are out there that people are doing uh, in the name of Jesus. You know, turn on the TV. Man, it's unbelievable. Now, again, I hope you don't buy everything that you see or hear on television that's carried, that, that, that's carried on in the name of religion. Okay? Stand fast. But then it says, and hold the traditions. Somebody says, well, I thought traditions were bad. Well, some tradition is bad, some is good. You know, Jesus did warn one time of the traditions of men, and he scorned the Pharisees. He gave them a pretty hard time because he said to them, you hold on to the traditions of men, and you've put aside the word of God for your traditions. But there is a tradition that is good. Now, the word tradition literally means to hand something over or to pass something on. 
So he's talking now about the script, the truths of the scriptures, and he's talking about the teachings of the word of God. Hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, those two things, I want you to keep in mind. Notice them, right? That he's writing to people in the New Testament day, and the New Testament was not completed. Now, because of that, there were some who were given the word by the spoken word, and they would speak and speak the very word of God, right? Then, he says, by our epistle. So first it was by word, right? But now by our epistle. He is now ascribing inspiration to his writings. You see, Paul was used by God to write scripture. He could be referring uh, to this one. Um, he may be referring to 1 Thessalonians. But whichever one it is, the point he's trying to make is that he's saying, in my epistle and in this verbal preaching of the word of God, you have the teachings of scripture. Now, today we're in a different day. The New Testament has been completed. And there is no more revelation going on. Revelation has been completed. You know, there's people that talk about a fresh revelation, a new revelation. No, there's no more revelation going on. God has closed the canon. He's completed the word of God. And what we have is what he wants us to have and know. So the Bible says that now we are to hold these traditions. Now the word hold there really, uh, really means to get a good grasp on, right? It is paraphrased. Keep a tight grip on what you were taught. Better hold on to it. Better know what you believe, because if you don't know what you believe, you're going to encounter some teaching that's going to, well, be very disturbing to you. You better know what the Bible teaches. Friends, there's, there's really no excuse for a Christian not to know the scriptures. Everywhere you turn, you're getting Bible, uh, well, at least at our church, right? Again, we attempt and we try to get deep in the Word of God. We don't want, we don't want a faith that's a mile long and, and half an inch thick or half an inch deep. We want you to be deep in your, in your beliefs, right? We want your faith, and we want it to be a deep understanding of the Word of God. So we are saved people. We're going to go to heaven when we die. We have the truth, and so you need to hold on to it. Don't let anybody shake you from the truth. So there are words of salvation. There are words of, <clears throat> excuse me, exhortation. But now we're going to finish up words of benediction. Words of benediction, right? So in verse 16, he gives us a benediction. It's like his, he's kind of closing out the book. Now, there's a whole other chapter to go, but it's like he's trying to close out the book. He says, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father. Now, those are words of blessing. And that's what the word benediction means. <clears throat> a long time ago, there was a brother and sister. They were really old, and neither one of them could, could hear a lick. And when you went to go visit them, you had to just talk at the top of your voice Still couldn't hear you. So 
you go by, you visit with them. And there was one time, uh, this old fella said, preacher, you are a benediction to us. Now the preacher didn't know if that was a compliment or not. So the preacher said, well, I acted like I knew what it was. And as soon as I got home and got my dictionary and looked up the word benediction, I thought he might be calling me a Catholic priest or something, but it means a blessing. That's what the, that's what these verses are. These verses are benediction. And he tells us who God is again. God, even our father, which hath loved us. So he's right back to the love of God. Friends, you can't get away from that. Don't ever get away from the love of God. It continues and hath given us everlasting encouragement. Well, friends, that's, that's what the word consolation means encouragement. God gives us eternal encouragement. So if your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven eternally. That's eternal encouragement. You're going to go to heaven when you die and live with Jesus forever. That is eternal encouragement. He continues in that verse, and good hope through grace. Friends, what we have an amazing hope, wonderful hope. We have that through his grace, and we experience that through the grace of Jesus. He continues, comfort your hearts. In other words, encourage your hearts. Establish you. In other words, make you stable. Establish you in every good word and work. So it was used of a column in a building. Stability is important in every area of life. Economic stability building stability, stability of personality. So here he says, God's, he says, God comforts your hearts. That's the inward work. God establish you, stabilize you. That's the outward work. Well, in every good work, good word and work, look how he puts those two together, word and work. He's saying that it is so important that your walk match your talk and your talk match your walk. The greatest testimony a Christian can give is a changed life. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus didn't go around giving sermons on the resurrection, but everybody saw that Lazarus saw Lazarus. There you go. Everybody that saw Lazarus saw the testimony of a resurrected life. That's trying to get all that out. Sorry, guys. So what this world wants, what they want to see out of you, out of me, is the testimony of a changed life. By our word and by our work, we give testimony that we've been changed. This may be an opportunity for that, right? This may be. You're, not, you're watching by divine design, believe it or not. Now, friends, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, God has extended you the invitation through this message to come to his son Jesus and be saved. So it's like God says to you, give your life to Christ. Wouldn't you like to do that? Wouldn't you like to do that? Mm, amen. Well, 
It's been a delight to be with you today. I hope you have a great day in the Lord today. Be safe in all that you do, friends. Not only that, but know this pastor loves you. Know that Jesus loves you most. He loves you so much he died on the cross for you. Amen. So Christians, we need to be about the business of sharing Jesus with those around us. Well, that's our that's our time together today and for the week. We go Monday through Thursday. So that's our time together for the week. I hope to see you on Sunday. And if you go to another church, hey, be faithful to that church. Your pastor will truly be blessed because you're faithful. Amen. Friends, have a delightful day until we meet again. Bye-bye for now.